God knows exactly what's happening. He knows exactly what's taking place. And there is a plan that God has, and He will bring it to fruition when it is time. Amen? All we need to do is just enjoy the blessings and the promises of God. Be about the Father's business. Amen? Telling people that Jesus loves them. And just know that God is still in control. Amen? Amen. He's still in control. That is such a great song as we end up another beautiful year that God has given us. That's something to be thankful for, right? That I'm not in control and that you're not in control and that everything is not chaos. The world is not sinking out from underneath your feet. If you're saved today, you're standing on solid ground. Amen? And that is Jesus Christ. Amen? The rock of our salvation. And because of that, we have peace. Is that right? Because we know that our God is in control. Amen. If you would join me in prayer, and we'll turn our children loose here in just a few moments, but if you would join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we're just so grateful, Lord, for the fact that you are our God and that you love us. In fact, you loved us enough that you created everything that we see around us, God, for our good pleasure. You did that for us, Lord, and we thank you for that today. We thank you, Lord, because you loved us enough to not leave us nor forsake us. You said you'd always be with us, and we thank you today, God, because no matter where we go in this world, physically, emotionally, or spiritually, you're there, always with us, guiding us and leading us and directing us. So we thank you for that today, Lord. We thank you because you loved us enough that there was a plan. There was a plan for the sins that we would commit against you, Lord, that would separate us from you. And that plan was to bring you back, bring us back, rather, Lord, into right standing with you. And that plan involved your son, Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, incarnated in the flesh of a man, and he walked among us. And then he died and gave his life for us and was resurrected. And now he sits at your right hand, interceding for all of us, for all the sins of the world. And we thank you that you loved us enough to die for your creation. Thank you today. And we thank you as we've sung here today that you're still in control, that you know exactly what's going on. And this world is moving not at its own time, but it's moving in your perfect time. And God, we're just blessed to be a part of it, blessed to be a part of every single moment that you allow us to be alive to help impact this world for the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, to glorify your great name, God. And Lord, we just thank you for that. We ask today, Lord, that your blessing and your anointing would continue to fall among each one that is here today. Continue to fall and settle among our teachers, Lord, as they teach our children the future, God, of this church and this great nation and this great world. We thank you for them, God, and pray your triple portion of your blessing upon them today. And God, again, we ask that your anointing will be upon our service in here as well and everybody that's here. And God, again, we'll praise you and thank you. And we do thank you, Lord, for everything that you do. And God, lastly, here today, thank you for what you're doing at Gethsemane Church. God, you're so awesome, God. We just thank you, Lord, for how you've been blessing us with some wonderful people, Lord. Blessing us with your great presence. Blessing us with your love and your mercy. Lord, we don't deserve any of it, but we thank you so much that you just continue, Lord, to let your favor shine upon us. And so, God, we want to ask that you just continue to bless this service. And we'll thank you and praise you for it all today. In the precious name of Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Give your neighbor a great big hug as you take your seat. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord. Amen. Our children, I think they already know it's time to go back. We don't have to tell them anymore, do we? Amen. They just start rolling. Yeah. Got a wonderful, wonderful children's department, teen department in our church and nursery department. We got some wonderful teachers here that God has blessed us with. They're in good hands, I can assure you that. Amen. Amen. Looking forward to worshiping with you here today as we continue in our service. Uh, The title of the message today is Chosen. Amen. Chosen. You are a chosen generation. Amen. So if you have your Bible, want to go over to 1 Peter chapter 2 with us and stick your finger on verse 1. Before we do that, uh, Sister Christie just had a couple things she wanted to say to you today.
she drew, I don't know if you know that. <laughs> she, um, she would draw pictures of uh, praying hands for us. And she would draw pictures of Jesus for us. And that's what we colored when we were growing up. I shared that last night. But she also taught us a song at uh, Thanksgiving every year. And she would sing it to us. And um, I want to share that song with y'all this morning. As the world looks upon me, as I struggle alone, they say I have nothing, but they are so wrong. In my heart, I'm rejoicing, and how I wish they could see. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. There's a roof up above me. I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. I know I'm unworthy, and these clothes, they aren't new. I don't have much money, but Lord, I have you. And to me, that's all that matters, though this world cannot see. I thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. There's a roof up above me. I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me your love, Lord, and a fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Thank y'all so much. Amen, amen. Taught her everything she knows. <laughs> amen. Amen. If you have your Bible and want to go with us to 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll be at verse 1 there. And again, it's good to have you in the house of the Lord. Fitting song for what we're going to talk about here today, actually, being chosen. I love what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. The Bible says, but you are a chosen generation. Amen? I want you to look at each other, the person beside you, or in front of you, or behind you, wherever you want to look, and say, ye are chosen. That ye just means you, amen? You are chosen. You are a chosen generation. The Apostle Peter here speaking to the church, to you and I, to the Gentiles, amen? God's chosen people are the children of Israel, is that right? But because of their, the hardness of their hearts, they're still His chosen people. But there was a stumbling block put before them. And thank God for the stumbling block, amen? Thank God for the, the rock of our salvation, which is Jesus. The very one that they rejected, right, is the one that was placed before them. And it, was, it made way for you and I to have the same opportunity that the children of Israel has. We were chosen by God, amen? to be His people. And Peter's going to discuss that with him here in just a few minutes. But I really want you to feel the weight of that statement. Ye are a chosen generation. Yes. Every single one of us. I hear people all the time 
say, I just feel unworthy. My family doesn't love me no more. My church family doesn't love me no more. The people on my job don't love me no more. I'm just a nobody to note to everybody. Is that right? You ever heard anybody say that? I'm just, I just, nobody cares about me anymore. I want you to know today that that is a statement that is derived straight from the pits of hell. Right? That's only from Satan because God would never tell you that. God would never have you think that you're just abandoned and you're some orphan that nobody wants. He laid His life down for you. Amen? And for me, you are chosen by God. Amen? Chosen by God. Not only did He create you and I, but He chose you and I. Amen? He wants to be around you every single day. So when you're feeling that way in the near future, hopefully you never do, but if you ever feel that way, just understand that that is not a correct statement. People may not like you. There's all kinds of folks that don't like me, I'm sure. But I can assure you that God loves you. Amen? And His Word, He made a statement that is very true. He, don't, he didn't say it just so we'd have something cool to say. It didn't, he didn't say it just so it would roll off our tongue or that we could put it on paper and say, man, that is a great statement. He said it because it was factual when He said, I'm never going to leave you. Amen. Right? Jesus said, I'm never going to leave you. I'm, I'm never going to forsake you. God, God's promise to us is that He'll always be there. Amen. He created us, but He also chose to commune with us. And He don't just want to be with you, as I've said many times. God wants a relationship with you. He really wants to take time to spend with you and I. He wants to, you know, we, we say, well, God knows everything about me. Yes, He knows everything about you, but He wants to be with you, amen? He wants to experience that. He wants to experience life with you because He's the giver of life, amen? When you have a heaviness in your heart and you feel overwhelmed and there's no hope, you've got Jesus, amen? Listen, old Woody had it right, did he not? Old Woody had it right. He said, you got a friend with me. Is that right? You got a friend with me. I know y'all saw that movie. Amen? Him and old Buzz was like that. And I want you to know today that you and God's like that. Amen? Long before old Buzz started singing that, God's been singing it from the very beginning. Right? You have a friend with me. In fact, Jesus said that in John's gospel, did he not? You are my friends if you keep my commandments. Is that right? He wants to walk with us and talk with us. He hand chose you and I. He created us. But He hand chose us. So He said, you are a chosen generation. Not just you, not just me, but all those that will come that are descendants of you and I. Amen? All of them. God chose all of us because He loved every single one of us. So before we get into this today, I want you to know that you are chosen by God and He loves you today. Amen? Amen? He loves you. I may spit and stammer through all of this else, but just make sure you heard that. God loves you. Amen? He does love you. His own special people, the Bible says. He said, he said not only does He love you, but you are a royal priesthood. You're not, just, you're not just somebody. You're not just anybody. You are royalty. Amen? Why is that? Because Jesus is the King. And the Bible tells us that you and I are heirs and joint heirs with Him. And heir means that you are, you, are the, you are right there on that same plane, amen? You are, you are, you are because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, we now are, we are heirs and joint heirs with Him, meaning that everything that His Father has, we have as well, amen? You see what I'm saying? He's not reserving this over here for this person and this over there for that person, and I'm only going to bless this person with this. No, 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 He's no respecter of persons. So everything that He has is yours. Is that right? See, in the Old Testament times, not so much today as it was in those times, anything that the father had when he passed away, it was all left right to that, to that one that received that blessing. Well, you and I received the blessing, God's blessing through Christ, and everything that God has now has been handed over to who? You and I. Amen? All of us. That's the blessings of God. He hand-chose us, and we are royal priesthood. He said, in fact, that you are a holy nation, a holy group of people. And the Bible tells us that we should be holy because He is holy, correct? So He said, you're, just, you're not just a somebody, you're a holy nation. You represent God, amen? He is your Father. And I don't know about you, but some of us in here now, some of y'all might not be really proud of your parents. 
I was very proud of my parents. I love my parents. And it does me such good when I go around to places and I hear people talk about my, my dad and, and I hear people talk about my mom and I hear people talk about the, my descendants, right, that have made a positive impact on somebody's life. It really does me good when I walk around and somebody talks about my wife or my children. You know, I know that I'm part of that lineage. Is that right? Well, it's the same way with you and I. God is our Father, and we can hold our head proud and know that our Father is God Himself. Amen? Who created the heavens and the earth. There ain't nobody like our daddy. Amen? You talk about about bringing somebody to show and tell. Amen? You would steal the show if you bring God to show and tell. Right? And then he goes on to say, not only are we all those things, he said, His own special people. His own special people. You are special to God. Is that right? special. Again, you're not just a a nobody or a somebody. You're not just a name in the crowd. You're not just a a number. You're special to God. Right? He knows everything about you. Did you know that? He created every single one of us. Your DNA, He put every bit of that together. So He knows everything about you. And as much as we hate things about ourselves, right? Them them three cow licks that you might have (laughs) that you cannot control, that you wish you could do something about? He knows all about that. You know why he did that? Because it would set you apart from somebody else. Is that right? That long, oh, ugly nose that you might have? Or that might be crooked? Or it might just be wide? Or it may be short, you know, and everybody thinks you look like a Pekingese? Right? Whatever it might be that you don't like about yourself, right? We, we spend real, earnest, hard-earned money to change those things. Is that right? We do crazy things because we don't like the way we look. Well, let me ask you a question. What do you think God thinks about that? He created us, and He said that we were what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. So if God thinks you look okay, I don't know if that's okay with God. Now, I ain't here to preach on that. You know, I'm not saying you shouldn't do those things because I've tried to do things myself. I just find I make myself worse. But the point is, all that stuff that we don't like about ourselves, God made it that way to set you apart from anybody else. If He intended for you to look like Brooke Shields, He would have made you Brooke Shields. Is that right? If He'd intended for you to look like Tom Selleck, you would have been Tom Selleck. But He created you to be you. He didn't create you to be them. And you know what I found about people like that? They got things they don't like about themselves either. Now when we see them, we go, Oh my gosh. Right? The angels start singing, and we start thinking, oh, to be like them. Is that right? I watched a woman at a Bon Jovi concert. He was singing Bed of Roses. It's a, it's a power ballad. That's what they called them in the 80s. I don't know what y'all call them today. Power love story, but it was done with some zip, okay, with a little bit of rock. And old John Bon Jovi stepped out. He was, he was, you know, the lights went out. He was gone off the stage. And people was like, where's he at? Where's he at? You know, and he's singing. You hear the music start playing. He steps out of this little portal up here. And the camera hits him. And there was a woman. They had this big old screen the size of this church, literally. It was huge. And you could see at the corner of the screen, you could see her. She was at the bottom. He came out at the top here. She was down here at the bottom where he was going to be walking towards and she just turned around and looked, and she was mesmerized. Her face, I remember locking in on her because I said, I'm going to watch her. I said, if that man walks toward her, they're going to have to call EMS. Because <laughs> she was just, I mean, she was like, and just it froze, you know. And, and he started walking toward her, and the more he got to her, she was just kind of like, oh, my God. She started sinking, and she was reaching for the person beside her. You could tell she was just in some agony, you know. It was just kind of like, and he got a little closer, and he was singing that song. You know, I want to lay you down in a bed of roses. And he got right to her. I said, if, that, if he looks at her and sings... One of two things is going to happen. As I said, she's going to pass out or she's going to just lay hold on him, right? He sings a song, Lay Your Hands on Me. He wouldn't have had to sing that song because she was going to just lip lock him right there and hang on. But she just, she was mesmerized. But what I found is, is Bon Jovi's got things about himself that he wishes he could change too. Or John Bon Jovi, I guess. Right? We all have things. But those are the things that set us apart. They make us special to God. So look, before you can ever, 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 ever fall in love with somebody else, you've got to fall in love with yourself. Amen? Amen? Understand that you're precious to God. Chosen. Chosen by God. 
no matter what your de deficiencies are, no matter what your issues are, no matter if you were born with some kind of what the world sees as a handicap, God don't see that as a handicap. The world is who, the world is who dictates to us what they think we are. Is that right? But God said you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So in God's eyes, there are no handicapped people. They are all special and precious and royalty in His eyes. Amen? You with me? Everybody is. That's the God that you and I serve. So He said you're His own special people. And here's the deal with it. This is why you are made the way you are, okay? And I'm made the way that I am. That you may proclaim the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. Everything about you has been set by God, finely tuned, that you could sing His praises. Amen? And tell people about Him. Did you know that there are people attracted to you that won't be attracted to anybody else? Did you hear what I said? Some of y'all just woke up. Some of y'all just woke up and said, Oh, goodness, I still look good to somebody. Is that right? But all of us have a special attraction about us. Now, I'm not going to say anything to you, but listen, you just in your mind think about this. You think about somebody that when they speak or when they say something, you can't wait to hear them talk. You can't wait to hear them speak, right? You are drawn to that person. It could be a particular singer. You got your own special singers, right? We all got people that we think are just that in a bag of chips, right? Because they sing well. They're entertainers. They just, they just draw us, right? There are some people that my wife would pay thousands of dollars to go see. Not name-dropping Kenny Chesney. But she would... But there's also people that she wouldn't give you a dollar to get off the couch to go watch that I think are just outstanding. See what I'm saying? We all got people that we are drawn and attracted to, okay? Because they're put together that way to draw people to them that they can tell them about Christ. Now, we don't always do it for the right reasons. Is that right? Sometimes we use, we use the charisma that God has given us to, to do sinful things, amen, right? But all of us have an ability to reach people Billy Graham can't reach to people that you could reach, Sister Jackie. Oh, that's not possible, right? Billy reached millions, hundreds of millions. But he didn't reach the ones you can reach. Is that right? You see what I'm saying? And, and, and it doesn't matter who, who it is, all of us were designed to reach a group of people that nobody else could reach by praising and honoring God. So you're special here today. You were made by God to do the things that you do. You are chosen. Let me, let me define the word chosen for you because I think it really sets it in motion. When we are chosen, it means that we are highly desired. If you choose something, it means you desire it. Is that right? Y'all should be with me. When I roll up to the Dairy Queen, I have a desire for peanut butter parfait, for those of you who don't know me. There's not a doubt in your mind when I come up there. It's not like I'm going to roll up and surprise anybody. Do you see what I'm saying? If you're in the car with me or if you work at Dairy Queen for any length of time, let me just give you a for instance. Not at Dairy Queen, but at Brewster's. I also have my favorites at Brewster, Brewster's. Anything with peanut butter in it. I went up there one day, y'all, and I have been there enough times that they don't, they don't see you, as y'all know. You just roll up and they come on there and say, how may I help you? Welcome to Brewster's, right? And I roll up there and I start talking and I said, look, I overlooked the peanut butter because it was not on there. They had a peanut butter puddles. Not the name drop. But I said, give me that blueberry cheesecake because I didn't see anything with peanut butter. You know what the lady said to me? Her name is Bean. She's a good friend of Noel's. And she said, hey, Mark, we got some peanut butter puddles. You want that instead? Huh? You know you've been there way too many times. I said, yes. She said, we just ain't put it on the board yet. I said, there is a God, amen? <laughs> right? So it means to be desired. If you desire something, when you choose something, it means you desire it greatly, okay? More than anything else. It means to be accepted, right? When you're chosen, it means you've been accepted. Is that right? It's a great feeling to want to be accepted, is it not? It really is. Great feeling. I can remember when I ran for school board in Ware Shoals for the very first time in District 51, I had a lot of people asking me. There was a lot of trouble going on then at that time, and, and they were asking me about running because my kids were in school, and, and I said, gosh, y'all, I don't know about all that mess, and politics and religion don't ever mix, right? And so I said, well, I prayed about it, and I said, I guess so. I don't know what I was thinking, right? I had a moment. And um, 
But I got out there and I started telling people, and I didn't do a whole lot. I put a few signs out. But I was blown away at the response that came back. Um, and, and when I was elected into office, I, I was elected um, by a lot. And it blew me away. It really did. And, it, and I remember having a moment. I was actually not here when the results came out. I had a business meeting in, in Kentucky. And I can remember sitting talking to the owner of our company. We were doing a video uh, that we were shooting that was going to be sent out to all of our companies and, and some of the people that we deal with. And I was sitting there talking to him, and I got the phone call, and he knew I'd been running for, for office there. And, and I got the call, and it said that I, that I won. I was a little bit in shock, you know. And, and uh, I remember him saying to me, he said, well, it's not a shock. He said, you know, you just, and he went on to tell me some things. And I remember feeling really, it made me really feel good until I actually got there for the first meeting. <laughs> and I was like, can I quit? But it really was. So to be chosen is a good feeling. If you've ever been chosen, right, Red Rover, Red Rover, send Heather right over, right? Yeah. You don't want to be the last one somebody chooses. That's right. Is that right? When you're out there and they say, we're picking teams, and I'm captain, you're captain, and, and I'm the last one standing there, it's like, I guess I'll take him. <laughs> right? You were chosen, but you really wasn't chosen. It was, just, it was just, you just happened to be the last person. And I had to take you. Is that right? But it's a good feeling when they choose you first, right? When you're standing there and they say, oh, and both of them's about in a fist fight trying to get you. Right? So to be chosen means that you are highly desired, highly favored, you are accepted, and here's the big one. When you choose something or somebody, it means that you have a love for such thing. Is that right? Yes. If you choose your spouse, you love that spouse. Is that right? If you choose that peanut butter parfait, you chose it because you loved it, right? If you choose whatever that might be, it's because you love it, right? And you hear the angels singing, I like it, I love it, I want some more of it. Right? And so it chosen is special. He could have chose any word right there, but he chose the word chosen. Because he didn't want you to think that you were just, you were just second best. God said, I choose you. I choose you. And I heard it said this time, this way one time. It's not a part of this message, but Keith Crocker said this one time during a message. He's a good friend of mine. He's a pastor. He said in a, in a service that I was in, he said, guys... When you're sitting in a church service and you feel your heart about to jump out of your chest and you feel that feeling that none of us, you know, when you're living in sin, you hate that feeling, right? That you feel like, oh my gosh, you feel like every fiber in your body is squeezing in, right? And, and it's, your hands are sweating, your throat gets dry, your mouth gets dry, your heart's racing, right? You feel what you're feeling is conviction. And he defined conviction this way. It's simply this, where God says, I choose you. I love you enough that I choose you. Right. It's the same feeling that you feel when that girl comes up to you or that boy comes up to you and lays one on you and you wasn't expecting it for the very first time. And you, and you wanted it. <laughs> Let me change that. Right? You know, you were desiring this person and they were desiring you and you didn't know they knew it and they didn't know you knew it and they walked up to you and patted you or smooched you on the cheek or done something crazy, Right? And your heart just, your whole body does the same thing. You start sweating, right? You, your heart starts racing. Everything starts drying in, right? You start going, ooh, it's that same feeling. It's a feeling of love, okay? And so when he said that you are a chosen generation, he simply meant, I desire you. You, I am, you are accepted of me, and I love you. Amen? I love you. God has a tremendous love for every single one of us in here today. And I really want you to get that out of this message today. If you want to go with me to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 through 11, we're going to dive into this. There's some things about God's love. There's some condition, right? And some of you just went, I knew it. I knew there was fine print. It's only fine print if you get that small writing. But God didn't hide anything. He wants you to know it. Let's read it here. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. I told Brother Danny 9 through 11, so bear with him as he puts this on here. I wanted to back up and read it because I think it's important. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, Peter was telling them, and all guile and all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Lay aside, in other words... Lay aside all the things that aren't lovely, right? That aren't kind, that aren't of God. I'll read that passage to you in Philippians chapter 4 here in just a minute. But lay aside everything that's not good. 
Because in order to be loved and in order to have love, you got to be loved and you got to be good. Amen? True love. He said, lay all those things aside. And he said, then as newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Not just reading the Bible, not just studying the Bible, but desire. Remember, desire means that you have a love for it. You can flip that, 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 that uh, definition around. It means to choose. The word here in text refers to Jesus. Desire the sincere, sincere milk of the word. Milk is what causes us to, to continue to live. It sustains life and it causes growth. Well, Jesus said that he was life, did he not? Right? And that we only live, really, we only grow in Christ. So when he says here that we should lay aside all these sinful things, worldly things, and desire the sincere milk of the word, desire it means choose it, to love it, right? To really, really want it. We have to have a desire for Jesus. The Bible said it this way, that you and I can't, we can't know love unless we have love, right? There's no way we can get that love unless we give that love. And he said, he went on further to say, if we don't love, then he's not a part of us because he is love, the Bible teaches us, right? So he says to choose these things, desire the sincere milk of the word, have a hunger and a passion for Jesus. We got two young people in our church right now that is on fire for God. Amen? And I enjoyed talking to them last night so greatly, so wonderfully. And I was so blessed listening to them grow. I was telling Pastor Keith about it here this morning. Enjoyed my conversation with them. And then the caveat was, the cherry on top was, when we got through, they said, we, we want to talk to you about joining the church. And I said, well, praise God. Amen? But, but both of them were just so... They were diving into the Word of God and they were diving into Jesus and, and the change has been real and relevant in their lives. You can see this passage lived out in their lives. So hungry. Can't wait to get back here. And they drive a great distance to be here. They live up on the Greenville side of Ware Shoals. Up past the drag strip. Keep on getting it. On up to Highway 8. Amen? Up that way. You see what I'm saying? There's a passion for God. He says, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so, be you have tasted. If you've tasted that the Lord is gracious, desire him then. In verse 4, to whom coming, he says, as unto living stones, or as a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. First, speaking of Jesus, that we should have a desire for Him, chase after Him. This was a stone that the builders rejected. right? He was the lively stone. In Jesus there is life. And then He begins to talk about you and I in that passage as well, that you and I are lively stones as well. If Christ be in us, amen, we also are lively stones. In verse 5 He goes on to say, You also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. What's this all about? That you and I would become, be, be those spiritual houses that the Spirit of God wants to dwell in. Amen? Desire the sincere milk of God because He has chosen you and I to be His vessels. Right? And because He chose us, we should have a desire for Him. And then when we do that, we begin to build a foundation by which Jesus can build you and I, and he can, he, we can continue to grow in Him. And the more we grow in Him, the bigger the building gets and the more the Spirit gets in us. Amen? Amen. And that thing will just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and, and, and He'll keep filling it up and filling it up and filling it up. Amen? Amen? Because He loves you and I. He goes on to say in verse 6, Wherefore also it is contained in the Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, Zion being in the church, elect and precious, speaking of Jesus. And he who believes on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, he is precious rather to those who believe, but unto them which are disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed or rejected, the same is made the head of the corner. That's where you and I come in. The whole message today. Because they rejected Jesus, Peter now, 
who hated the Gentiles, would not be seen with the Gentiles, had to have a vision from God where God just basically threatened him, threatened him for life that he needed to speak to the children of God, the Gentiles. Y'all remember the tablecloth coming down with the, with the food and the Spirit of God, Jesus himself said, eat it. What did Peter say? I ain't eating that unclean stuff. And what did he say back to him? He said, everything I made is clean. Is that right? And then he, of course, commissioned him to speak to the Gentiles. This same Peter was commissioned to speak to the Gentiles. That stumbling block was put before them that we might know. And then he goes on to say what I told you, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that you and I should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is cool, which in time past, he says, you and I were not a people, but now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now, he says, you've obtained mercy. Peter goes on to leave him with this. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, I beg of you, as strangers and sojourners or pilgrims, abstain from the fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Amen? Abstain from those things because you're chosen. Amen? Stay away from those things. Right? There's all kinds of desires and there's all kinds of thoughts and all kinds of things that are out in this world that God would have you and I lock... I mean, not God, but Satan would have you and I lock on to. And those things do nothing but separate us from God. No matter, no matter how much our mind tries to tell us it's right, no matter how much people try to tell us it's right, I will assure you, he said that it does not war with your soul. Your soul will always war against that which is not of God. You'll always have questions about it. You'll always be defending it. Amen? If you're always defending it, if you've always got questions about it, if you've always got doubts about it, if there's always confusion, if there's always arguments about it, that's not of God. Our spirit will never agree with sinful things. It never will. Ever. Because it is righteous. The breath of God is righteous. And that's what He breathed into you and I. And our flesh and that righteousness are constantly at war. And this is why Peter told him, you're chosen. You are chosen. He simply was looking at these, these, the, the Gentiles and, and he was simply saying to them, do you not understand that you represent God? You are a tabernacle of the living God. Amen? When people look at you, they see God. Amen? He said we were made in His image. They see those things. They see the love. They see the generosity. They see the, the passion. They see the concern. Right? They see all the things that they read about about God. But when we do things that are against what God says, there's confusion. Is that right? So Peter was simply saying to him, you have to get away from those things and be what God wants you to be. Amen? So those of us here today, the word of God to us today is, you're a chosen generation. You are royalty. Right? You, as I said to you, you and I are ambassadors of His Majesty the King. And I don't say that lightly. That is the truth. You are an ambassador to Christ. Every one of us in here today, are, we speak on behalf of Jesus. He said, go ye and tell them. Tell them. In fact, He said, how are they going to know unless you do tell them? How are they going to know? So it's important for us. That's why it's important for us to, as the Bible says, refrain from the very presence of evil. Peter said it that differently, but it's the same thing, right? To get away from those things that war against the soul. Because again, we represent God. You've heard me say it so much so to this. God makes no mistakes. Is that right? And you and I represent Him in every sense of the word. You and I represent the tabernacle. Did He not? He said, no, you're not that your bodies are the temple of the living God. Is that right? And you say, well, I don't look like a building. <laughs> well, some of y'all look at me and say, He does. It dude's wide, isn't that right? And so, but you say, well, I don't look like, I don't have shingles and I don't have this and I, I can't look like a temple. I can't look like a tabernacle. Oh, but yes, you do. Right? You do. And that probably offends some of you. Right? Some of y'all, no, I almost said something to get me in trouble with my wife. I ain't going to say it. And the ladies of the church. <laughs> some, some of us, right? All of us. Okay, we are the tabernacle of God. And let me just show you what he did. I've, seen it, I've done this before in a message. 
just to prove to you what Peter's saying is true and what God's Word said is true. Refrain from those things because this is my house. Amen? And this is where I dwell. Okay? So, Jesus, the tabernacle in the Old Testament, was, it, was, it was portable. It could be moved. But the things in the tabernacle, you've heard me talk about it before. The tabernacle was laid out in the form of a cross. If you look at how everything was laid out, everything in it laid out into a cross in the inside, every piece of it. And then as you look at Noah's Ark, it's the same thing. It was laid out the exact same way. The housing of God. In the tabernacle, it was the house of God where He chose to dwell. In the New Testament, it was a temple laid out the same way as a tabernacle in the form of a cross when you look back at it. Go Google it. The cross itself, of course, looked like a cross, did it not? And it housed what? The presence of God. Amen? Amen. And you and I, he said, are tabernacles of the living God. Right? Peter said, don't do anything to cause anything to, to be against that, right? So just look at me a minute. Look right here. And we put our hands out and we begin to praise the Lord. Is that right? Just take a look at me, just a second. What do I look like? He could have made us look any way. Any way. We could have, looked, we could have been with eight legs, and, but He chose you and I to look just like this. Uh huh. You are the tabernacle of the living God. Amen? He dwells in here. Is that not good stuff? Huh? There is a gene in your body called laminin. It's in your DNA. They tell me it's the very molecule that holds everything together in your body. Google it when you get out of here. It's the very piece of DNA that holds everything in our bodies to get the glue that holds us together. Do you know what that thing's in the form of? Cross. Hmm. Don't tell me you're not highly favored and chosen by God. Amen? Amen. Don't tell me. So, we should be honored that we have been chosen and thus walk honorably in that choosing. Walk honorably in that choosing. Do nothing to desecrate that calling. Is that right? None of us today would go out there and spray graffiti, I hope you wouldn't, around all over the church. You wouldn't do that for fear that God would strike you dead. But we'll go out and do sinful things against this body, right, which is the tabernacle of the living God. I will venture to say to you, just let me go ahead and say this. Let me step out where everybody can see me here. I will tell you today that if you want to upset God, painting on this church ain't going to do it. You can come in here and rip the carpet up if you like. Give us a couple years, we'll change it, so don't do it yet. You can do any of those things. That doesn't really upset God real bad. It's what we do to this. Amen? Because this isn't the tabernacle of the living God. This is a building where the tabernacles of the living God come to praise His name. But this is the tabernacle of God. Amen? So we ought to walk honorably in it. Is that right? Walk honorably in your calling. Walk honorably in who you are that you've been chosen in that choosing because it's important. It's an honor to be called by God. It's an honor to be chosen by Him. It's an honor to have Christ in your life. It's an honor to have His name associated with you and with I. One of the worst things that we can do is do anything that would bring shame and reproach against Jesus Amen. and against God and against the Holy Spirit. Is it not? That's why you hear preacher after preacher every service saying, turn from our wicked ways, as the Bible says, right? Refrain from the presence of evil. Why? Just because we don't want to be ashamed that everybody knows you come to our church. Well, that's maybe part of it. But it's because we understand what the Bible says. Don't do those things. Right? Because we're trying to lead people to God. And they need to see that we're chosen, right? And they're chosen as well. It's got to be to walk honorably in that choosing. Be proud of who you are in Christ. Is that right? Sometimes I think we're more ashamed of who we are in Christ when we're out in the world. Right? We, we shouldn't be. We should be proud of who we are. Amen. Proud of your heritage, right? Amen. Proud because you're a child of God. Do you know, when I was in high school, and I'm sure it's different today, but it wasn't real popular to say you were a child of God. There was a handful of people in our church, I mean in our, in our church, in our school that I was very proud of and they didn't even know it, but Christy was one of them. There was, there was several people. Craig Lohner was one of them. April Hewell was one of them. There were several of them. There was about five or six in our, church, in our school that absolutely refused to do what everybody else was doing. 
And I remember watching them sometimes, and y'all, they, they weren't always the most popular. They got picked on sometimes because they believed in Jesus, and they wouldn't go do some of the things everybody else was doing. And they would get around a flagpole and pray when nobody else would, including myself. I remember sitting back because the cool people wasn't hanging out over there. We was in a different place. Little did we know, they were the cool people. Right? Later down the road, I learned that lesson. Okay? It's not popular to be a child of God in the world we live today. You'll be ridiculed, made fun of, and you'll find yourself pulling back going, mm, right? Because nobody don't like to be chosen. Is that right? We all want to be chosen. But let's make sure that we walk honorably in the one that makes the difference, which is God himself. Walk in that choosing. Walk honorably in that because of who you are. Amen? Walk honorably in that. Influence somebody's life to where they feel like they need to be a part of what you're doing. Listen, because we are chosen, we should fervently seek the one who chose us that we might obtain the purpose of that choosing. Is that right? You and I, because we've been chosen, should fervently seek the one who chose us. Seek God, right? If he's choosing your heart, if he's touching your heart, listen to me very carefully. Quit questioning him. If, you, if, if, there, is a, if there is something in your mind that you feel like God's calling you, he's talking to you, go talk to him. All of us can sit back. Satan's job is to get you and I to question him all the way until we die. Because if we question him all the way until we die, we'll never know the answer. Knowing the answer means knowing Christ. You with me? Just go ahead and accept him. Had a fellow last night, same guy I was talking to that is excited about it. He said, what do you do with people that say, prove it? The best answer there is, is try it. Amen? You try Jesus. Give him a shot. And I promise you, he'll change your life. He'll change your world. If you sincerely seek him, right, he will change your life. So it's important for us to fervently seek the one who chose us. Get to know Him, and the more you get to know Him, then He'll reveal Himself more and more to you and His purpose for you in His life, or in your life. That's the key. We've got to walk in that calling. Be, it's honorable to be a child of God. Okay, and walk in those things. I was kidding around with somebody the other day. Somebody said to me, it must be tough. No, as my wife said it to me. She said, it's just tough being a pastor or a preacher. I said, I ain't tough being a preacher. That's easy. Hard part's pastoring. Is that right? Did anybody catch that? Yes. Preaching's easy. That's what I tell people when they tell me they're called to preach. I say, well, it goes beyond the pulpit, babe. Way beyond. If you just want to preach, just be an evangelist. That's easy. Well, I ain't say it's easy, but it's much easier. Right? That's why you see a lot of pastors constantly. I tell Pastor, Pastor Keith this all the time. You see pastors leaving the pulpits, becoming evangelists and writing books and going on the road because it's so much easier. You ain't dealing with nobody but you and God. Right? That's all it is. But listen. The choose Him and be fervent about your choosing that you know what your purpose is in this life and walk right and do right honorably. Okay? One of the worst things that we can do is, is continue to walk away from God and people have to chase you all the time and say, now you know better than that. Why are you doing that? Right? Why are you doing that? Right? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Isn't that right? We get off the milk and start chewing on that old steak and we go right back to the milk. Somebody steals our dentures. Right? We just... Right back over there again. Right, we, our spiritual dentures get gone. And we can't chew anymore, so we've got to go back to the milk. <laughs> We're chosen. We are a chosen generation. If God hand chooses you and you accept Him and He accepts you and you're walking in Him, stay in that. Right? Peter must have seen some folks drifting a little bit. And they had forgotten about how important that calling is and how special and how precious they were. And they just veer a little bit, right? They veer left when they should stay straight. They veer right when they should stay straight. That's why the Bible said don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right, right? Go forward. When you give your life to Christ, don't turn back. Don't go back. Don't go back. Don't go left or don't go right. We always as preachers say don't turn back. Well, don't turn left or right either. Is that right? Because what that's doing is you're just trying to cut your own path. Right? You don't like the way you're walking, so you're trying to cut another path. And you can always say, well, I didn't go back. Well, you didn't, but you just started a new path. Right? Stay straight with God. Because, again, your calling was, was not cheap. Your choosing was not cheap. God chose you with a price, with His own life, right? So it's not cheap. It's not one of those things that you can just turn it back in. Had a pastor friend talk about that one time. People were talking about the blessings of God. Brother Damien said to me, he said, Mark, he said, I know about testimony services. 
Right? Keep it in mind now. We can't just turn it back in and get it back. Right? He, we, he said people stand up testimony service to stand up and they just testify about stuff that really don't even matter. He said, there was a lady one time stood up and she said, y'all know what? She was praising God and she said, I just thank God so much. She said, I bought this pair of shoes at the Payless. And I paid, I paid $50 for them shoes at the Payless. And I got them things home and they didn't fit right and I didn't like them. And she said, I went back down there and she said, praise God, I found my receipt in my pocketbook. And she said, y'all know what? She said, they gave me my money back. And she was praising God about that thing. She'd exchanged that thing, man. She got her money back. And the guy looked and said, hey, that's not a blessing. That's a store policy. <laughs> All right? It's a store policy. <laughs> All right, Brother Damien. That right? But that's what we do with God, right? We, we, veer, you know, we, we veer off the, the beaten path, right? And we just think we can just exchange it, right, for another one, right? We're just going to exchange it for another Jesus, right? I don't like this Jesus. I'm going to exchange another one, right? It doesn't work like that, right? If we've been called by God, it's precious. He paid a high price for us. You can't just change it in, right? Because there's nothing better than that. You're not going to find a better pair of shoes in Jesus, amen? He's it. He's all that in a bag of chips. See, there is nothing else to exchange for. You'll go down. None of us would trade a car in. You know, you, got, you think to yourself, well, the Kelly Blue Book says it's worth $10,000. You roll up and they say, I'll give you five. And you go, great, praise God. You, nobody's going to accept down. You want it up. Is that right? We all want up. But once you get up, there's nothing else, nowhere else to go. Is that right? So we need to, we need to walk honorably in our calling and stay with that, right? Don't, don't walk away from it because you're precious. We should desire to carry out that purpose once we know what it is with unfailing determination and passion, right? When you get saved, if those of you here today that are not saved, if you get saved, if you give your life to Christ, stay in that. I wish, I wish I could say that to everybody when they get saved, but I'm not with everybody when they get saved. But if you're here today and you've been saved, I want to say it to you today. Stay there. There is nothing better than Jesus. Nothing better than Jesus. You're not going to find it. You're out there trying to find different things. You're trying to find this and you're trying to find that. It's not out there. I will assure you today, once you get to Jesus, you're at the pinnacle. That's it. It's, that's it. It's, it's, it. It doesn't get any better. We shouldn't be out there trying to find all that better. Just find more out about the one that's there. Right? You find out about Him. There's more to Jesus than what you and I see as we skim through the Bible. Amen? You've got to dive into Him. Get close to Him. Read this Word. Pick up, pick, up, pick up books that are inspired by God, by anointed men and women, and read those things. Right? Read the Word of God. Read, by, read other books about God that, as I said, people wrote about Him. Get in there, and you'll find and learn more about Him, and you won't be trying to find something else. We only look for something else when we feel like it's not the best. Is that not right? That's the way we do it, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, you let somebody that cooks macaroni and cheese for you and you like it better than anybody else's and you walk into a Thanksgiving meal like we had last night, there'll be six macaroni and cheeses there. At least. Right? And you're going to walk up there and what's the first thing you do? You're going to go over to that person that makes the very best one you like and say, which one is yours? <laughs> right? You ain't going to worry. You ain't going to waste your time trying somebody else's stuff because you know it's the best. There's no need going anywhere else. All Satan does is put a bunch of macaroni and cheeses in front of you. And said, oh, you won't know till you've ate this. Is that right? I can't tell you the times that I've had people come up to me about the deer meat. Now, look, don't argue with me. Just listen to me. I'm domesticated. I can't eat possum and raccoon and all that stuff. If it ain't pig, chicken, beef, it's out. Okay? I just ain't going to do it. Don't try to trick me because I got it. I've had it done every which way but Sunday. And I've had people come up to me and say, you ain't tasted mine. I said, you're the only person in the world that ain't tasted. Right? Because I've had a million people tell me that. And I try it and I go, eh, yeah, I can tell it's in there. It's still wild, right, in my mind. And I've heard it said, I've, had, I've, I've, been, tried to be, I've been tricked. My wife tried it one time on cube steak. I love cube steak. We were riding over to Angela's house. Wherever I, I seen Angela today. Where's Angela? Her cousin. There she is. We were riding over to her house one day. We used to hang out with him a good bit. And we were going over there, and Christy said, look, I brought some cube steak that I forget who made it, Granny Dean or somebody made it. And she, I said, oh, man, I was starving to death. And she gave me some, and I bit into it and chewed it a little bit. I said, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> right? I knew it, okay? So that's what I'm telling you. 
It's the same way with Jesus. There's nothing... When you find that right thing, stay with it. There's nothing going to be better. It's just not, no matter what you do. Now, some people like deer more than beef, and you would know if I tried to trick you with beef, right? You would know those things. So stay with Him. There's nothing better. When you get saved, stay with Him. Go after Him, right? Understand what that purpose is in your life and run after it with all your heart and with passion. Stay with Him. Why churches are failing today is because people are turning left and they're turning right. They forget about their calling. They forget about how that they're chosen and how special they are and how precious they are in God's sight and the price that was paid for you and how much He loves you. Amen? Our church is in a special place with God right now. It really is. It's in a sweet space. God's doing tremendous things. And, and again, I don't know why this message even came around today. But i got to believe it's part of just preparing us right, for what continues to be in front of us. See, you can't run into glory with a bunch of baggage. Is that right? The only way you're going to run into glory is with just glory. Amen? You can't have all these other things attached to your life. You can't do it. Your calling is sure. It, you are chosen. He loves you. He desires you. He gave His life for you and I, and we should walk in that without fail. Anything, anything that you desire more than Jesus is a problem. Amen? Did you hear what I said? It is. Now look, don't be finding attorneys and getting divorces and all that. Don't be, get me involved in all that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I know you love your wife and I know you love your husband and you love your kid and you should. But you shouldn't love them more than Jesus. You shouldn't. You shouldn't love your job more than Jesus. You shouldn't love marijuana more than Jesus. You shouldn't love alcohol more than Jesus. You shouldn't love peanut butter parfaits more than Jesus. Right? Us fat, you ever notice fat preachers are the ones that really preach conviction on people? Y'all got to get off that alcohol and them drugs. And we're running around up here and our blood pressure's through the roof and our heart's pounding and our, our arms is hurting, our chest is hurting, right? Because we ate six pieces of chicken before we got here, yep. right? Amen. And we weighed 300 pounds yep. and we preaching everybody can't even move, right? We all try to, trying to dance and we can't even because we, we can't, right? <laughs> you, you, you seen people do that, huh? They're trying to dance, and we all think it's cool because we think, look at the Holy Ghost, right? But the truth is they can't get their feet off the ground because of the weight, and it looks like they're just scooting right across there. And they can't scoot, so what do they do? They just grab the microphone and go. <laughs> I say that because us preachers will preach conviction on people when we got our own vices. Is that right? That's true. It's true. There's nothing we should love more than Jesus. We can't overeat, right? That's, that's harming the temple of God as much as anything else is. Come on, guys. You know it's true. That's true. It is. Right? And whatever else it might be, we can't put it before God. You've got to have a desire for Him more than anything else. If any, I'm going to say it again. If there's anything in your life that you want to do more than worship God, if there's anything in this world that you on a Sunday morning Choose. You have to, you wake up going, oh, I'd like to go to church, but oh, they told me that bass, but they biting. And you gotta choose. There's a problem. Right? If you gotta wake up and you and, and you're fighting on a Wednesday, or not wake up, but you get out of work on a Wednesday and you're like, I need to go to church, but oh that recliner. <laughs> I'm serious now. Yeah, right? Anything that you desire more. Well, I know I need to go to church, but that boy, gosh, he asked me out on a date. It's on Wednesday. Right? Come on now. Anything you desire more, it's a problem. He said, lay aside every weight. Did he not? Every weight. Anything that would stand between you and I and God. Look, I'm going to put it to you this way. He laid aside everything that he desired for us. Jesus' desire was to be with his Father. But he said, nevertheless. Is that right? Nevertheless. We ought to be shouting and praising God over that one word. Is that right? Yeah. Nevertheless. That's you and I. Yeah. Amen? The nevertheless is you and I. Nevertheless, your will be done, he told his Father. Nevertheless. And so... He did not put his desires over you and I. 
He loved us more than He loved those things. He didn't want to be down here. He wanted to be back where He was at originally. But because of you and I, the joy that was set before Him, the Bible says, He endured the cross. And if He could do that, why can't we? Well, He was God. Yeah, He was. But we can do it too through Him and with Him. Is that right? All things are possible. So you can't let anything stand between who you are in Christ, your, 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 your purpose and, and, and the plan that God has for you that He's chosen for you. He chose you to carry His great name, and that is an honor. Amen? It's an honor. I'm going to put it to you this way in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, as I said to you earlier. Finally. Some of y'all look at each other and say, finally. Finally. <laughs> finally. <laughs> Brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and whatsoever things are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any power, anything, and if there be any praise, he said, think on these things. Amen? Think on these things. Think on those things which are good. Think on those things which are just. Think of those, on those things which are pure. Think on those things which are lovely. Think of those things which are of a good report. Think on those things. Well, the Bible says, Jesus Himself said it, when they were asking, they were asking Him about particular things, and one of them said, Good Master. And Jesus said, Why do you call me good? There's only one that's good. And He said, That is my Father. Amen. So whatever things are good, just, righteous, pure, lovely, think on those things. So the answer there is there's only one thing that's like that, and that's God, so that's what we should think on. Amen? And our minds should be set on Him. Okay, because you're chosen. Man, He chose us. Do you, understand, do you know that of all of His creation, He created deer? He did. He could have chose the deer to die for, could He not? Now, preacher, you're going a little far, Emma. God do whatever He wants to do. He could have gave the deer the brain that you and I got, and He could have gave us their brain. We could have been the food. <laughs> Imagine that, deer hunters. You're running through the woods, some deer shooting at you. Right? That could, that's God. Amen. He could have done it. But He chose us. He chose us to breathe in. He chose us to be made in His image. He could have chose the trees. Right? He could have. He could have breathed life in them. He could have just spoke us into existence instead of creating us. In reverse, though, He spoke them into existence and He created us. Right? He took time to form you and I. Go back and read it in the book of Genesis. He spoke those things into existence, but He took time to make you and me took time. You imagine God sitting down in a mud puddle just forming you and I out of the dust of the ground. You ever wonder why you and I have such a desire as kids to do that? It's in us. Because He's in us. He's in us. You're chosen. Chosen to be special. Chosen to carry His great name. Chosen that He would do His great works through you and through me. He chose you to be at the bedside of somebody that was leaving this world for the very last time. You're the last person that he'll ever see or she would ever see in this life. God chose you to do that. Amen? He chose you to come right here and kneel down beside somebody that's brokenhearted and talk to them and be his hands and his feet and his mouthpiece. He chose you to do that and he chose me to do that. See what I'm saying? He chose us to walk up to somebody and say, I love you. Come here. They're having a bad day. They're crying. He chose you to be alongside that person that day. That's not chance or circumstance. Man, He chose you to do those things. So we should walk honorably in that and pick your head up and be proud of who you are in Christ and do our very best to do nothing to tarnish that. Amen? Don't do anything. Listen, I know this world's tough. I know that the things of this life are fun. They're exciting. We love the feeling that we get 
because of certain things that we do. I know that. I've been there. Amen. We've all been there. Right? That stuff's fun. As the world calls it fun. And I understand that. But that stuff, that stuff will do nothing but continue to lead us further and further away from God. Further and further away. Well, preacher, how do you know? How do you know if it's a sin or not? I've looked through the Bible and I can't see where it says, don't smoke Marlboro. <laughs> Ain't read it nowhere. Is that right? I hadn't read anywhere in there where it says that, you know, I, I shouldn't do meth. You're never going to read that in the Bible. doesn't say that in there. Thou shalt not shoot meth in your arms. It's not in there. It doesn't say that, right? It, it doesn't say things like, well, there's nothing wrong with going to the mall on Sunday instead of going to church. It doesn't say it just like that. It doesn't say do not go to the mall on church Sunday unless you... It doesn't say that. Anything else you want to put in here, things like that we, we want to question because we had not seen it in black and white and red. It's in there. You just got to look for it. He says it in ways like this. If you know what offends your brother, don't do it. Is that right? If I knew it offends you, even though I don't feel conviction of it, I shouldn't do it. Because it's going to cause my brother or sister to fall. And now it's a sin because God's going to hold me accountable for that. He says it in ways like this. As I said to you earlier, he said, No, you're not that your body's in the temple of the living God. We shouldn't destroy or desecrate that. Right? What he say? He says it in ways like that. You with me? There's all kinds of passages. I just keep going and going and going. But you've got to look for them. And you've got to understand that whatever your spirit's telling you, when you're doing those things that you're questioning, if you have to question it, don't do it. Okay? Did you hear what I said? Yes. If you've got a question, or if you've got to, if you feel like you've got to defend what you're doing, don't do it. There's a reason you feel that way. Because it's marking up the temple of God. It's bringing reproach against you and against His church and against His name. Okay, you see what I'm saying? It's real simple. Just listen to the Lord. He loves you enough to call you and choose you. And He loves you enough to walk with you. If you just try your best to live right, try to live right, and He'll lead and guide and direct you. Okay? You got wonderful people like teachers and preachers and mamas and daddies and grandparents that know the Word of God that can help you. If you've got a question, go ask them. But I think you probably know the answer already. You just don't know where it's at in here. Is that right? But you probably already know the answer. Okay? I don't know why I keep rambling on with that. But I just feel like we need to understand that as a church. Now, I'm going to go ahead and let everybody know I, I, haven't, I don't know anything about you on social media or Facebook. Ain't nobody called me and said, you better preach that and people doing the wrong thing. None of that's happened. So everybody be all right. I'm sure you're sitting there going, oh, gosh, he knows about it. <laughs> well, he does. Amen. Amen, he does. God knows, not me. But... Walk honorably in your choose, in your calling. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, once again for this.